I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to this week's episode of The Nero Show. In today's episode, Trek was dead, or at least that's what we thought 12 months ago. Is it still the case? Have proprietary handlebars ruined the purpose of a bike fit? We revisit Fondo etiquette. When is a race not really a race? And how often do you wash your helmet sweat pads? The big issues. All right, let's get into it. Nothing like a race weekend to get some... Get some juices flowing, and geez, there was some stuff that happened. So, Fondo was on the Sunday. There was a crit on the Saturday. Uh, second lap, I rode my foot into one of the barriers on the exit of a corner because I'm a Hubbard, and snapped my Favero Asioma pedal body in half. So I got a three and a half minutes of racing done on the Saturday, and that was great. And then I'm left there with half a pedal, having to enter a start the Grand Fondo on Sunday, and it was panic stations for a little while, there was options. Now, what I ended up doing was just buying an entire another set of Favera Asiomas from the expo. Thanks, Shane, who was selling a set. Um, so bought them and just did a straight swap so didn't have to worry about it. But then you're kind of left there going, well, what are my options? Do I borrow someone's Shimano pedals and cleats and swap them over? This shocked me, Jesse. So just to fill people in, Jesse was offered at the time a – a new set or a replacement set of Shimano. So he's the Asiomas are look based. A replacement set of Shimano pedals with Shimano cleats. We're literally like minutes after this happened. He's thinking, shit, what am I going to do tomorrow? He's offered these. And he stands in front of the person, Matt, and says, no, I will not do that. I do not want to do that. And out of his mouth says, I just can't, I'll, I'll just drive tomorrow. I'm not going not gonna to do the ride. So. Yeah, I mean, which totally shocked me. It did actually shock me. He's like, you would not be willing to just run a different pedal cleat system for four hours the following day to get through that event. No. Okay. No. Wow. There is no way I'm spending my night changing cleats over to ride a Fondo the next day. I would call it quits. That's me. By the way, can I just say, I had faith. I had that God would provide, which God did provide said replacement set of asiomas. So thank the Lord I did not give out and go the pedals cleat swap because otherwise I would have been running with my feet in an awkward position. I'd get a knee, I'd have a knee injury, Chris. I'd probably be at the physio right now with a busted knee if I'd done that. What if you run flat pedals? Just flats <laughs> for the next day? No. No? No. Wouldn't well, no way. No. Borrowed someone else's shoes. 
Would I borrow someone else's shoes? Would I borrow someone else's shoes? I keep hitting you with these. So, okay, just okay. I think I would pretty well, much do happen. anything to ride the next day. You break a boa. Mm-hmm. You've got to borrow someone's shoes. And are they the same size as yours? Mm, Slightly. Sure, there's there one size difference. One size too big or mm-hmm. small? Ooh, good question. Big. One size too big of someone else's shoes? No. The thing, but that's just because, yeah. If it, if it was, what is going to happen to you? <laughs> I do not understand this. Like, so okay, let's say you let's say you've crashed. Okay, your bike's snapped. Um, you're down there. Matt comes over. He's like, "Oh, I've actually got a '56. Here it is. Oh, you can take your pedals off it. Put your saddle. Would you ride that?" Different bike the next day, but it's a, it's a size too big for you. It's a size too big. Different saddle. <sighs> Different saddle. No power meter. Oh, no power meter. Mm, okay, maybe. I I don't know. I the thing is, yeah. it's more about the. It, what is it but about? That's just this event in particular. If it was some other, if I was on a team and this was a stage of an NRS race, different story. Really, yeah. this is fascinating. Oh, we're diving deep here. I don't. What okay? What is it about this event then? Because you said it yourself, it's a fondo, but you you uh, would be willing to do it. You're more willing to do it. Say if you were up at Sunshine Coast racing that, you would have been more willing to just toughen up and do that the next day, rather than at the the barrel fondo. Chris, I don't think you quite have appreciation for how long I've been racing for and my care factor right now. Which is, I would have been more than happy. Ah, pedals. F- Sorry, pedals buggered. I'm just gonna go to the side and I'll film film some stuff. Ah, you know. So it's it's more of a but just me- a pure lack of caring. Yeah, it's pretty a, much. Okay, rather okay. So it's not. That's interesting. So okay, I was well, going down the I, wrong route. I thought yeah, it was performance no, no. based. No, 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 no. Okay. Even after I pulled okay. out two laps in of the crit, it's kind of sad. My care factor was zero. Me a few years ago would have been like actually oh, full sooky. yeah full sook mm. pissed off. Mm. He, but here's the thing: like once I'm actually there and the race is on or the event is on, you know, it's a different story. Right. But I'm quite you know. All right, you did Grafton to Inverell this year, which you trained for. It was your target event. You rock up, your gears are flat. Mm-hmm. You're stuck in a single speed. Do you do it? You're in the you're in the big ring, and the middle of the cassette. Do you do the? Do you do it? No, I'm sooking. Yeah, this is interesting. You've caught. You've kind of called my bluff on this. <laughs> okay. I thought I was this guy who was just gonna. Yeah. Okay. No. One hundred percent. No. Not doing okay. that. Last night, you got a Tuesday heffron. Your gears run out when you get there. You're stuck in the big ring, third from the bottom of the cassette. Do you still race? It's happened to me. Yes, I've done it. Yeah. Okay. It was. Yeah, it was horrible. Yes, I tried. <laughs> yes. You do that. I did that. Yep. Okay. Okay. You rock up to Tuesday Heffron last night. You have crashed on the way there and torn the side of your skin suit open. I'm out. I'm home. Don't even turn Do up. You, and someone offers you their kit to race. <laughs> but it's from their car and they haven't ridden in it yet. They've just come back from the laundry. No? You're overestimating my care factor for a Tuesday <laughs> okay. night Heffron. <laughs> what if it's Grafton? Yes, I'll do that. Yes, I'll okay. do that. What if the kit's not clean and they did their openers the day before in it? Oh, Jesus. And it's morning of the race. Ooh. Ooh. 
So I'm in their chamois. You're in their chamois and they rode in it yesterday. And it's your target A event. And it's too small, so it's really tight. It's like way up the thigh. You just <laughs> rip in, you just get it on and rip I in. I think I do. I yeah. think I do. Come on. Yeah. Tough enough. I think I do. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that's okay. okay. Mm. Good. Fair enough. I'm proud of you, Chris. Thank you. It's great. Yeah. What about your 10, 15 minutes into a four-hour Fondo event like that, your saddle drops like five <laughs> centimetres? Oh. You have no multi-tool. Mm-hmm. Doesn't so happen with an integrated seat post. Doesn't happen with an integrated But Okay, or your saddle, let's say your saddle tilt just yep. goes oof, oof, yep. down. Yep. Do you oh. pull over, suck it out, try and get home, or ride on? If I've already started, it's a ride on. Definitely. Definitely it's a ride on. Starts dropping, 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 dropping until some an hour or two in, you're just out of the saddle the whole way. I think it's a good story. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. See, that's that that's exactly right. You kind of got a story to tell. Mm. That'd be yeah, that'd be cool. Actually, that that'd be fun if it happened. Yeah. Yep. I'd go for that. My only slight experience of this was that three peaks one where I had the pedal came ripped off at the bottom of the descent. So that's three peaks is a 230K Fondo here in Australia and 30Ks in, pedal came off, snapped off. So all of the sort of front wave, et cetera, go away. I'm 15, 20, 30, 40 minutes on the side of the road and someone is like, oh, I've actually got a spare pedal. Do you want me to put it on? And I just went, no, going home. Yeah. So maybe Emil will talk. <laughs> Ultimately, I just would turn around and not do it. So we had an argument last week. Well, I'm not sure it was an argument, but a, a discussion last week about aero endurance bikes and how I thought that was the potential saviour of, uh, of the industry, to not overstate the, the fact. And it was the talk of the town in Barrel, Jesse. I had so many people coming up saying, look, you know, loved, loved the debate, et cetera, et cetera. What are your thoughts on this bike? Is that, is that an air endurance bike? All this, all this kind of stuff. And I've been spending a little bit of time thinking about it. And I've potentially, I'm not, well, okay, I'm not going to walk this back. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm liking where this is going. But I, okay, so the reality of what I was saying, I think is probably more of a stitch up than I had first taken into consideration. So let's just, Start with the pure practicality of what I'm suggesting, okay? Which is, I think you phrased it as pro. What did you What did you phrase it as? Proing a Hubbard bike. <laughs> a Hubbard bike, right? So the reality of proing a Hubbard bike is well, it's expensive because okay, obviously you got the expense of buying the bike, the Hubbard bike, in the first place. But then you're you're changing out. Well, first you're going to change out the bar stem situation. And in days gone by, yeah, that was a pretty easy operation. No, 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 no. So currently with obviously everything integrated, you're going to, well, first you've got to buy the, the, new, the new setup. So I went for that EXS, I think it's the Aeronova ones, which is like 600 bucks, I think, somewhere in that, in that regards. And that's, that's pretty standard-ish. You can kind of get your fast sports ones. Yeah, that's not full AliExpress. No. But it's not quite the $1,200 Pro Vibe one. Yeah. True. But you're also... You're kind of a bit limited in terms of what you're able to get in this space because all the all the main brands kind of lock you down into. So if you're, for example, 
getting an, an S5 or something, you probably can't get a Aeronova solution for that. So you're kind of limited. That I will say about the EXS stuff, they do offer the compact and standard drop, which is pretty unusual for, for a lot of the proprietary ones to give you those options. So that was one thing. But okay, so you got that purchase. Then there's always more. So you got the, I think they call them, I should know this, but like caps, the steerer caps that go underneath the bike and the yeah. bar bit. Sort of the dust cover bit. Dust covering yep. bit. And that's that's like, that's a thing, right? So some things work. So with the Chapter 2, the EXS one didn't work. So they all have, what, what are you saying here? Because they have different recesses into the head tube. And different caps fit now. You can't just run your round one. Correct. Like, well, like at um, an aeroad, you can't just plop anything on there. It's a different setup up there. And also, there's a there's a look thing here. I mean, maybe all of this is looks because I'm trying to pro my Hubbard bike. I want it to look flush and neat and perfect. And if I used the Chapter 2 um, cap, it wasn't going to be as neat and solid as the, the Detta ones. So you've got that. When I say I did this... Do you think I did this, Jesse? No, of course not. So what did I do? Went to a bike shop. Now, this is like a this is like a day's labour, pretty much. All right. So just so thank you. Edward. By the way, a workshop hour in Australia is uh, could be a hundred to one hundred twenty five dollars an hour in labour cost at a local shop. So that's what you and and you're not doing a. I don't think no one's doing a uh, – well, no one at least is charging for a full handlebar swap new cable rebleed in an hour. No. So you, you, you're at least 200 Australian for a handlebar swap. And there's the timing issue of it. So I know like Edwin was like, oh, there's an eight-day lead time to even get in to do this. Apologies to all of Edwin's customers. I <laughs> snuck in. But, yeah, like so there's there's all that kind of timing aspect to it. So, all right, then you're assuming you've got that on there, um, bar tape, computer mounts, all that kind of stuff. And at this point, you're probably, you're potentially then looking at a bike fit maybe because you've just gone and put a whole different sort of front end on your bike. So maybe you've just gone and added a bike fit to You'd the like whole You'd like to think you're pretty confident in what you're putting on before you're well, that's, sending it into the There's another shop. great point. Like you've got to be confident going in. It's like we had this chat over the weekend, you're like, geez, this looks like 2020 again, Chris. You're throwing a 130-mil stem on there. Euro Chris. Euro Chris. Over the back of the bottom bracket and nice and stretched out. And back in 2020, what did I do? I just bought a 130-mil stem, put it on myself, and went for a ride with it. And then was like, actually, I don't like this. Took it off and sold it, and that was it. Job done. Now, it's like we're talking about a, a three-week operation, a $1,000 operation to test whether this new handlebar system Seriously, works. I don't know this what the intent of this topic was. If it was to put me off getting a new bike, congratulations, you're successful. This sounds like a headache, and that's assuming you – the Chapter 2 is pretty good because you could run those bars. So you're kind of lucky. If you're on a Canyon Air Road, you have to buy the Canyon Air Road bars, which seem to be on back order for most of the sizes you'd want anyway. So you're even more screwed. So, Yeah. Uh, not to like, so, oh, back in my day it was so easy, but geez, it was. The reason I kind of brought it up is, yeah, I, I got a lot of comments and questions about like, oh, I'm, I'm considering doing this. Oh, that's a great idea. Oh, yeah, I'm going to go down this route. Just just think about a little bit of that. The other thing with this is, am I potentially overreacting to some of these 
these millimeter differences. So they kind of sound big. All right, let's 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 say the Defy versus the Madone. So this is the current Defy versus the SLR Madone. The reach of the Defy is six mils shorter. It's not dramatic, but the the big difference is the stack. Okay, so the stack height is 17 mils higher on the Defy, which does sound pretty big and is kind of big. But if we're just talking about aesthetics here, it's not as dramatic as it used to be because it's not like you're throwing all these spaces underneath a underneath a stem and it kind of looks all, yeah, hubbardry. It's that integrated thing where it comes with the the built-in bits and pieces and it kind of flows together and it doesn't look quite as bad as it used to. The S5 is another kind of interesting category because some of the guys riding them in barrel, who I would potentially say are kind of in that aero endurance mold, ride them, race them a little bit, say, oh, you know, it's a little bit, a little bit heavy on climbs. But they never complain about the ride quality of it. They never get. They never complain about being battered up on it, like they're out of position on it. So, I don't know. This is maybe me walking that back. Maybe I'm not handing out enough credibility to people. You know why they never talk about their position? No. Have you tried to get a stem for a Cervelo S5? Mm. It, 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 it's gone so far into the untouchable territory. That there's no point even thinking about, oh, it might be might be more comfortable with a bit of a shorter stem. You don't even go there anymore because for all the reasons you just explained, plus even even if you wanted getting the stock of the stem you're after in the one-piece handlebar, no thanks. So I think you're seeing people tinker with their position less or just just avoid it. It's just full deterrent. Full uh, what's the word? Not denial. Yeah, denial. It's <laughs> denial, yeah? So there's bike fit denial because the the integrated bikes are so hard to adjust your position anyway, you just don't even really think about it. D, for example, imagine if he wanted to shorten up his stem a little bit. Oh, okay. Well, I've got to go to Cervelo Distributor in Australia, see if they've got my stem in stock, which I can almost guarantee they won't. So then you've got to order it. Then it's on back order then what, you're just in waiting indefinitely for the new stem to arrive? And then you got to spend probably three to $400 at your shop to get them to change it over to then maybe you don't even really like it because there was no really any way to test it out unless you're getting a retool fit where they have the bike in there where they can simulate the position. You can see the rabbit hole mm. you start to go down. Mm. So I reckon there's a lot of people denial land. Which kind of maybe is one of the reasons why you s- we, some of the people that we were talking about who want to move on from something like an S5, the actual reason is, well, I kind of just want to change my position a little bit and I just can't be bothered <laughs> Honest, getting a new stem. 100%. Yeah. Honestly. I mean, what a bike fit is. I haven't had a bike fit for a while. Actually, no, I had a bike fit with Tom uh, about six months ago, but I'm still on an old bike, so it's not really an issue if he wants to make any changes. But if you go to a bike fit now with a S5, for example, what can they really change? Your saddle height and the fore aft, and they can put a shim under your cleats. Everything else, change your cranks, that requires new cranks, and they can move your levers in and out and up and down. You can't really adjust anything else. Stack height, 
potentially they can maybe fiddle with if it's got decent breakaway spaces. I mean, you're pretty limited. Uh, so, yeah, bike fit denial from, <laughs> from an integrated bike. I mean, what do you feel? I guess that's kind of livable because that your Chapter 2 isn't fully integrated. So it's not disastrous, although you have cut the steerer. Yes. Yeah. And that, that did come with its own proprietary bar and stem with, with, well, which I didn't like, basically. But you got a bike fit on the Nero bike. Yes. Which you can't, you have to run the integrated Nero handlebar. <laughs> <laughs> when you got a bike fit on that, mm. what was the yeah. chat? Was it kind of like, well, you're close, but there's not really anything we can do anyway, so don't worry about it? Um, so he actually made an interesting point. It was like a, what was the phrase that he used? It was like, if, if he makes, well, yeah, there's nowhere to go to start with. Like that's, that's the, the absolute, and I was lucky with the Nero suppliers of the Nero bike that I pre-warned them and asked for a different, because that, my bike would have come with a 90 mil stem and a, yeah, a 90 mil stem with the um, movable bars. Yeah. Um, I got the 110 with the movable bars. Now I then had to sell back the anyway. I think but that had was this special treatment. Special treatment. That wasn't your for, regular for Nero, Nero bike owner. They no, have you to can go do that. You can do that, but it is a stitch up. Not in not globally. Okay. I was there was a Reddit thread about this about with with the Nero bike owners, and they were all they were they're having to swap with mates to try and do 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 it. I think. Maybe that was an Australian privilege. Yeah, I maybe shouldn't have even said that in the first place. I'm not sure. Okay. <laughs> uh, but it wasn't a Chris Miller thing. Okay. Can I just point that out? They had no idea. Um, so uh, what Tom said, it was like it was this phrase like with all the integrated stuff, especially at the front end, yes, you're right. No one's changing up. Yeah, like yes, you're dead side. So what he, what he prioritizes is making sure the contact Points are as comfortable as possible. So he'll like it's little things like the shapes of the hoods, the 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 um, level of the saddle, the leveling of the hoods, all that kind of stuff to make sure that's as as good as it can be given the the circumstances that you're in. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. But ultimately, yeah, you're not. You know, th- that said, like I I've been doing bike you know, bike fits for a good while. I've never done a bike fit and had a stem change or a handlebar change. Yeah, I don't know. So not not fully walking it back, but um, partially, potentially. Yeah. You've gone and ruined another Fondo for everyone, Jesse. You are welcome. Yeah. <laughs> um, My pleasure. I realise like having this chat, it's like so irrelevant to a lot of people doing it, but... I still think there's some there's some value here. Yeah, there's, there's yeah. some value. Well, it in comes. It. I think we're going to go into some etiquette chat. So I think this is a, everyone should be aware of the fondo etiquette. We say the word fondo, but the problem here is just how like specific this is. Because so uh, the definition of that word, whatever we've sort of briefly tried to talk about this in the past, but this one was like 140 k's. But you got mixed abilities doing mixed um, distance events on the same course at the same time. Now it stipulates in the actual like sign in of on this that this is not a race. Yep. All right. However, there is a timed. The whole thing is timed. 
So you have a start and a finish, not time segments, which I know a lot of people have mentioned to us in the past that some events do. They just do like little chunks. But this is like the start, the end, which is great. But they also then rank you. So you can log on to a results page and see who's number one, number two. And it's based on when you crossed this sort of electronic timing chip. So how does this play out then? So you've got a, a race that's not a race on terrain that is – kind of good for racing on like is how do we, how do we do well, this it's classic fondo rules as soon as you hit the climb everything's fair game the fact that it's not a race means you can't sneak attack to me the etiquette is whatever you're doing has to be uh visible or, or fair game so th- there's no going to the back and sending flyers it's sort of strongest guy wins rules I, to me, that's what makes it a fondo and not a race. And that's why I was confused when you were saying the group you're in went up the final KOM, which was about 15 minutes from the finish, sort of downhill and then flat roll into the finish. And you guys got over the final KOM and blokes are sending attacks from the back. Absolute blinders. I thought that was quite confusing because to me that was black and white um, breaking of the Fondo etiquette. See, I didn't have an issue with it. I had no issue because part, part of this is just a frustration, I think, that there's not a lot of this kind of racing around. But so, yeah, the, the way that kind of played out is this was sort of semi-non-cohesive group that's sort of riding and unfortunately, like, it was a particularly unselective course apart from the bit where you blew us to shreds and rode away from everyone. Apart from that, if you get a group, you're pretty much going with the group if you stay in the Fondo etiquette, which is not attacking, dropping wheels, all that kind of stuff. And we did. We went over that last KOM. You know, guys then got back on and guys who had maybe been a little bit tailed got back on and then they've – and this is where it gets awkward because – they were see. I hear, I totally see their mindset. You're rolling together, hundred percent. It's a fondo. And by the way, the road on the run-in was through the back side of the suburb, so it's full suburban, manicured lawns, through roundabouts. The marshals on the course. These lovely volunteers are there, you know, waving and shouting and screaming. And you blokes are sending attacks and cutting up inside or on the roundabouts. It's just. I'd like to point out I was Not just following, all. but okay, devil's advocate. Mm-hmm. So one of the guys who was sending attacks yep. was dropped on the last climb mm-hmm. and he got back on. So why, why does he then have to just sit on and be like, well, great. So when I get to the next climb or bump, they're just going to ramp it up that again and I just, I'm just going to be dropped chasing, again. Chasing back on. Yeah. Because so, it's I mean, a grand fondo, see, not a road yeah, race. Yeah, I mean, but it's, <laughs> these are the things. So I kind of. It's because it's a race to the bottom if you start doing that. Because then what starts happening is we all roll out at the start if this is the new etiquette. And then suddenly blokes, well, I'm going to get dropped up the first climb anyway. So then they're sending attacks at the start. And then suddenly you don't have a grand fondo. You've got a fully fledged <laughs> all out war, like a state road race. Yeah. So I think I was very surprised when I heard you say that that was happening at the end because that's. Let the kids play. Mm, Let the kids play. And this is, might I add, from you who had a bit of a dig at me for doing an absolute fair game rip up the first climb. 
that was just jealousy. Jesse. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, in in hindsight, what you did was perfectly acceptable behaviour. It, it did it did ruin the dynamic of the whole day because what ends up happening is so the the leader, well, it was meant to be the lead group. The leader gets a, a car out in front, which basically kind of makes it safer for that front bunch to to go through, which was just keeping you safe. Whereas oh, I was with uh, uh, I was with Brad, another with guy. Brad. It was wasn't just me. Whereas the twenty twenty of us behind you didn't have anything, but that was that was whatever. Yeah, I mean, you going by your rules, you've you've absolutely. And to be fair, going by the rules which I've lived and died by for the majority of my Fondo existence. All right, well, okay then, because that's the sorry, that's the beauty of the Grand Fondo, is that if you can just keep making the selections you get the fair result at the end of the day. You don't want it being a road race where you're in there and someone else is attacking and you're going, oh, they're getting a massive advantage on me. Oh, now I'm losing one more position, two more positions, three more positions in the result sheet because guys have just attacked. That's the bit that people don't like about road racing. And they actually screwed themselves up a little bit because on the results sheet via the timing – Depending on where you were in the group when you rolled out and crossed the timing mat, there were guys getting one or two seconds extra for free in the results sheet. So your group that was actually third place to about 10th was separated by a few seconds based on where the guys crossed the timing mat. And I'm going to say there were, there were some guys claiming claiming fourths and fifths, mm. which I thought was was also against Fondo etiquette. Because if you roll in with a group, it's bunch. So what's the acceptable what's the acceptable Strava title if you have rolled into the finish line with the Fondo group? Couple of options. You either go main group. I think for your group from the Highlanders that set out, the Highlanders is the elite group that goes up first at, at the Barrel Classic. Main group, finish, perfectly acceptable. I'm also going to say equal third Ooh. because if everyone that was in your group just says equal third, then that's fair game. Same time or, or, or same time as third, I think. But if you got fourth in that group just because you happened to cross the timing mat and you're claiming top fives when you finished in the same group as a guy that got 10th, sneaky bugger. That's That's sneaky. That's... Pulling the wool over. The people, the Strava followers need the truth. No no mind games, How please. about first group? No. But no, 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 no. Might have to edit that. No. First group. Okay. Technically, you were in the first group that finished. First group. But first group, by regular definitions, means the first of the first group that crossed. Could you utilize the description box? To, to, to fully yeah. articulate the situation. I think you can claim so first group go with if you give credit to the mm. two guys that broke okay. away. Yep. That's, I think that's what I did. I think I, I did Barrel Classic first group finish and then in the description, uh, 10 minutes behind Jesse and Brad. Uh, it was something along those lines. Okay. People are going to think that that's, this is the most uh, – sorry. People are going to think that this is the most elitist chat and this is everything that's wrong with road riders – but if you go to an event, it's not nice if for you who, who got, I think, ninth or eighth in that group, you know, you go on strike. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You pre-prav your effort and there's blokes that you finish next to, they're claiming thirds and fourths. I... Uh, you know, I think we all need to be all need to be honest. No, no tricking people, please. They could also do that on the timing results. They should say one, two, and then three, 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 then twelve. That's the easy fix, like that. And I actually do. Th- I mean, I'm kind of taking the opposite side here for a bit of chat, but yeah, I mean, I don't like bombing it into barrel and running like the wrong side of traffic islands with volunteers who are, who have been told like, you know, what to do when riders come, like not guys railing around <laughs> roundabouts trying to drop their yeah, groups on air roads with 60 mil yeah. L's just sending like it. Like it's, it's a totally <laughs> not kosher. And, and the, where, where the actual finish mat was there in the year, in what a couple of years ago, they had the finish time was actually out of, barrel so you cross that finish line and then the last 5k's was proper processionary you know waving to the waving to the fans that's the a locals. good point i would love to see them move the timing mat to the top of the final climb and then it's just a procession through town you wave wave to the people wave to all the the bystanders and roll it in high fives chat with the blokes i think it'd be a bit nicer and it might seem pedantic going through the results but in this grand fondo day and age that's not being pedantic because if you make the some of the Grand Fondos, if you're top 30%, your selection's into Grand Fondo events. So uh, there's guys that are really going through the results. Did I get 40th or 45th? Because that makes a difference in this day and age. So it might seem pedantic to those that do gravel and drink craft beers, but it's actually pretty serious if you're in the Grand Fondo scene. Your exact result's important. Especially now, like the legit, like legitimately tried to create a Grand Fondo World Championships. Like that's qualification type stuff. So you just need to, I don't know, organise that a little bit better. So almost 12 months ago, Jesse, we declared on this prestigious show that Trek is dead. Um, do we still think that? Do we still? Well, actually, no, let's, let's start with this. So when we, when we said that 12 months ago, what, what were we actually saying like what was it what was our rationale for believing at the time trek was dead the rationale was we ha- we're not seeing them on the road we're not seeing them much in social media and the pro team does very little to promote the the trek bikes yeah that was what and I, I think ultimately it was it was kind of boring right so yeah there was the, the big one for me was like it felt like trek was putting all this money into like its pro team and getting no reward for it being a sort of 
also ran irrelevant, irrelevant team, which kind of led us down the track of thinking that it, that it was dead and we didn't see it on the road. Right, 12 months on. Okay, let's, the pro team stuff. Is that, what do you think? Is that improved? Not really. Disagree. Okay. No, I think it's, I mean, for starters, they've clearly got to be spending less money on it because they're now not the sole naming rights sponsor anymore. They've managed to increase the viewer just by, even by just a kit change. It kind of looks better on the road. I'll give them that. They also did the whole special colorways on the bikes. Y- yes, that Yes, that, that was successful. you got to say like that. Um, oil Slick Madone. Oil Slick Madone. Yeah, that the, sick. The tour sort of cut through a little bit, social media side of it. Um, you know what? I think they've accidentally had a success with the Madone. Not because of anything they've actively done, just by the look of the bike. Because the the Madone came out and it was cool aero bike in a sea of other aero bikes. And now that it looks like a lot of the other brands, at least in the last three or four months, are releasing their do-it-all road or their, and by that I mean their aero climbing crossover bikes, lots of gravel bike releases. When you're looking in the road space now, the Madone looks futuristic, whereas it was getting crowded out a little bit when it was first released because that's when all the aero bikes were coming out then. And now the Trek Madone's hot compared to an SL8 in terms of just looks when you see it on Instagram scrolling through or compared to... I'm going to say even a Canyon Aero is starting to look pretty dated. So just by virtue of the fact that there's not that many cool Aero-looking bikes coming out in the last three or four months, Trek stock has risen in my small little brain. That's what I think by accident. Yeah, by good luck and not by design. I, I kind of agree with you and it, it actually annoys me that it has cut through as well as it has because it's still, to me, okay, Trek to me still does things like an old school boring way and I don't, I don't appreciate that in terms of, uh, just in terms of the way they promote their bikes and, and that sort of stuff. Um, there's, there's, okay, there's good parts to that. So they, from what I understand, like they leave a lot to their dealers. Like, so if you have a good local dealer, so we have like, um, what, who are they? Park Bikes in Nash. They do a really good job. They, like they integrate into the the club out there really well. And I, and every time we, we call out Trek, you always see people coming back and saying, no, they like run a really good ride here in this local area and that kind of stuff. So they, but it's not Trek doing that, I might point out. It's it's the local dealer who's like engaged that. And that's it's kind of an old school way, but it it's also really, really effective, right? But they do that also in their big branding stuff. For, so for example, like I saw there the other day that they've uh, a bicycle magazine here in Australia is gonna do a do a review on the the Trek Madone, all right? Now what? Like, so, so the reason I kind of say that is like, there's no, there's no really good Madone review on YouTube. I had a look before we sort of came on here. There's none. 
There's there's lots of like usury ones of just like Joe Bloggs buys a buys a Madone and talks about it for 15 minutes on the YouTube channel. Awesome, cool, great. But there's no okay, Dave Arthur sort of in a wind tunnel sort of thing, but that wasn't really a review. You know, why hasn't Cam Nichols been okay? Why wasn't Cam Nichols given that Trek Madone to do a review instead of said random bike magazine that's going to go out to 5,000 people in Australia next month. I don't understand stuff like that. So that frustrates me and, yeah, you know, you look at some of their engagement in stuff like their Instagram page, which has got like almost 100,000 followers and their photos get 200 likes. Yep. So uh, you're kind of making the case that if you compared – the factor Ostro to the Trek in the online space that we're in, the factor wins every day of the week. 100%. Every day of the week. Oh, yeah. And that's why we were saying a year ago uh, the pro team isn't moving the needle that much for the Trek Madone, so it's a bit of a flop. But for fast forward a year and just by sheer frothiness of the actual look of the bike, it beats the factor now. Because the factor looks so dated, the Ostro. That was that's kind of my my take on, and that's uh, and I've seen the treks in person, and they do look really nice. So <laughs> that's um, yeah, funny how that's happened. When's the last time they updated the Imonda? Well, that's that's overdue. It feels like yeah. it was a while ago, doesn't it? Yeah. Because I was I was just about to give them credit for still keeping the aero and climbing bike lines separate. Because I'm of the opinion that. They should be separate because there's different needs. People should be able to choose. But the Amonda, sheesh, it's getting old, isn't That's it? So the Amonda and the R5 are both due upgrades next year. But having said that, I'm not – I mean, for me, that doesn't excite me a great deal because I, I could pretty much guess what it's going to look like. Yeah. If you're going to buy a climbing bike – Mm. Right now, what's the top of your froth climbing bike list? R5. Still, even mm. though it hasn't been updated. It's the freaking Yumbo Visma thing, isn't it? Is it? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's no incorrect there's no answers. Other. Personal. That's the problem, like climbing bike. So you're going to go do Taiwan KOM challenge. Mm. You get free reign to pick any climbing bike. You pick an R5 still. Uh, if I get free reign, I would choose a Time Alp Duez. There's a random one okay. for you. All right. Yeah. Time out the west. Right. But that's more of a brain pick, it's not, a, a, yeah. not a heart that's pick. A, that's an industry pick. Yeah. Okay. Uh, no, uh, look, Aeroblade be in there, but that's a sort of aero bike as well. Um, I just would, I mean, I would never choose an SL8, but that's just me. Yeah. Well, it's not a climbing, typically a yeah. climbing bike. What would you I'm choose? Thinking, well, I'm trying to, I'm going through what are the hot climbing bikes right now? The new Factor, Ostro, uh, O2 Fam. With the integrated seat mast. Um, Canyon Ultimate. Nah. Nah. Mm. So the Canyons, they're amazing value and I think they're good bikes, but they just, they're boring. They look <laughs> kind of crap. I heard someone say, um, this might be on Oompa, Oomp, shout Oomp, um, that Canyon is the Westerner's giant. It's like what the value that? performance bike. Main, the mainstream value performance bike. But it is giant. Yeah. But we still have giant. It's kind of the same. But it's not viewed as 
it's not viewed as performancy as he was suggesting giant is in in Asia. Oh, okay. Mm. That was the guy on the TCR who had the three sizes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, so to, to Canyon Ultimate, nah. Or the, uh, again, Amonda, no, it's, when's the last time I updated the thing? It's so old. Potentially the Specialisma, but that's only because it was released, it feels like only a month ago. So that'll fade if it doesn't really get out on the road anywhere. I, you re- I have to give it to Factor. I really can't think of any recent climbing bike updates that, Stick in my brain. Do you think, so this is slightly off topic, but do you think like something like, well, not Trek's not a great example, but because we're talking about Trek, would they think that us talking about them now is bad or good? So, okay, there, obviously we, we talked about Argon last week, Argon 18, and Argon reached out and said, oh, you know, thanks for talking about us. You got any more questions? Email here, etc. Which was kind of cool. We thought, oh, Argon actually watching what we're saying. But the theme I thought of them getting in contact was like, oh, we just just correct some mistakes you made there, guys. Like you know, let's just probably yeah, it was that kind of thing. <laughs> Which was funny because when I, I remember like editing it and thinking about putting it live, I was like, oh, we've basically just done an ad for Argon eighteen. <laughs> Like gave them like 15 minutes. We were talking about the brand. I don't know. I just kind of wonder like do you think they, I don't know, they're like, oh, shit, they're talking about us. I thought that they're, I thought what they said was pretty cool. Like that's, a, that's a, as good as you're going to get from a brand is, hey, at least we've watched your thing. You don't see specialised or giant reaching out saying, hey, we watched your chat about us. I thought it was pretty cool. But do you think, but my point is do you think, what do you think, they thought what we said was negative and, and ultimately bad for them? Or do you think they were like, oh, Chris and Jesse are talking about us. That's cool. Like, that, that'll be good. I, I don't honestly know? don't know. Yeah, okay. I thought we were, unless my memory's gone broken, we were. I didn't really have anything bad to say. I mean, the only potentially negative thing I had to say was that I, I said gravel bikes are easy to market because they're not performance-based. That was pretty much the only... But when we talked about it, we said we hadn't seen them. We, we'd said like a little bit how we, you know, the Trek thing. We're like, we haven't seen these. What's going on, guys? And so that's when we kind of ask because ultimately like that's the questions people are asking in bunches and stuff. Like people are saying that. Jeez, I haven't seen them. I've gone for ages. So, yeah, I don't know. I just sort of thought that was – crossed my mind. Sorry. All right, 12 months on. Trek is – it's off life support, <laughs> I think, and uh, kicking – Remember the night before barrel, you were going through your nutrition and you were going through the Morton gels and you said, oh, these are 40 grams each, 40 grams each. And I'm looking at it. I'm like, Chris, they're 25 grams yeah, per serve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the 40 grams is the total volume yep. of the gel. And they don't really make that clear on the front of the Morton gel. It says 40 grams. So you just assume it's 40 grams of carbs. I, at a rider I coach, did the exact same thing that you did. It's so misleading. And he's like, oh, yeah. I'm half my fueling plan because yep. the gels are about half what I thought they were. Yep. Total stitch up. Yep. No, I was I was quite surprised by that. The um the other thing I noticed, like you were running, so you ran the SIS beta fuel, what was it called? Nootropics. I've, I've took a photo of the two of them next to each other. Like we've mentioned this before, but geez, they've done that branding so well. Like 
your gel looks like it was created in this lab by sports. Like it was just absolute perfectly made for performance. I had the the other caffeine one, the SIS, like double espresso. It basically looks like a confectionery you get at a like gas station compared to your like I'm serious. Yes. Christ, they've done that well. <laughs> yeah. Like uh, I was immediately jealous. I'm like, oh, man, I've, I've lost performance here just because my packaging doesn't look as cool as that. Saw a lot of canyons, I have to say. That's, that's the most canyons I think I've seen at a, at a mass participation event here in Australia easily. Uh, I don't know whether suddenly there's been a, a, a drop of, of them or whatever it happened, but can I also mention just a bit of a demographic shift? Yeah, yeah. What are we seeing on the ground? <sighs> so definitely... The COVID babies are starting to, like, ride, doing these events now, doing doing quite well at these events now, groups of them going. And what did you call – you called them Mamu? Uh, what was it? Oh, oh the, yeah, the, the, uh, the mummels, the, the, the middle-aged the, – the millennial men yeah, in like millenni- The millennial men in like that. The group of those guys yeah. and girls, like, it's – it's those groups coming to events now rather than the fully-fledged mammal. Like the, the, the mammal seems to be like isolated out in ones and twos, might be just coming in with one other mate, whereas the, the, COVID, the COVID mammal, there's groups coming in. It's a far more social outing. I don't know. The shift has occurred. Well, there's less Anglos going, 100%. Yeah. yeah. That's the other thing. Like definitely more Filipinos was – Specifically in the barrel one, Filipinos, yep. Chinese, yeah, heaps more. Mm-hmm. Um, so younger, yep, more diverse, less of just the rusted on mammal. And if they are there, they're probably solo, yep. potentially just one or two. Yep. Where have the mammals gone then? They haven't disappeared. They never stop cycling. Are they at gravel events now? Oh god, is that where they've gone? Well, he had three and a half thousand people there, so maybe they are still there as well. It's just the, the numbers are actually. The it's numbers more, are actually growing. More, yeah, more reflective. Um, more reflective. Because generally crit racing at the local racing, you don't see those, the, the Filipino groups or the other. Not yet, no. It's not at the crits. They're not really into the crit scene. seems more. Um, and also the, the young guys. You don't see the, the 20 to 25 corporate guys really doing crits. They don't like it. So it is cool to see that. There is more diversity at the Grand Fondos, but not really carrying over into the rest of the road, the road racing. I don't have a take on that. That's interesting, though. You're dead right. Like, it definitely felt like a different crowd to who's to who's sort of turning up to local crit racing. Which, but then again, I suppose the other aspect of it, like, not many people from the 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 rusted on top end of like the the crit racing scene turned up to do the Fondo. So maybe we're the ones who's we're a bit odd doing both. I don't know. Did cycling tattooists crash? Mm. Or recently? Yeah. Oh. I'm driving down to Portugal. They had a horrible crash. Car crash? Car crash. Oh, no, is he all right? Know. Yes, he is okay. Uh, shout, Tommy. Uh, have spoken to him. He's, um, yeah, they're okay. They're shaken up. But, yeah, like if you saw the car or the I four-wheel have... drive, it's uh. like I saw the picture on his Instagram. I was like, they're dead. It's oh. just like, yeah, Sheesh. holy shit. Oh, okay. I assumed it was in the notes here. I thought, I thought he... You meant on his bike? No, 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 no. Car crash, yeah. So, 
Rest, rest up, my friend. And just quickly, another random YouTube one for you. Greg's got a new – Greg McCann's got a new bit up there in Mexico avoiding cartels. It's brilliant. Love it. He's my favorite YouTuber. Um, get on there, him and Victoria. I'll have to watch. I'm a Patreon member now. Oh, wow. Yep. Oh, cool. The Supporter. Scattergun round. Mm-hmm. You know people think you're a Just a 50-minute club? Yeah, 50-minute club, actually. Welcome, Welcome. everyone. Welcome. Have a seat. Uh, nice to have you with us. Uh, elitist cycling is not – racing anymore it's not road it's just commuting on your bike Aaron's on the bike right okay here we go let me lay it out for you for the people for the dutch listeners they're gonna think i'm mad because they're like whoop do you freaking do you commute on your bike but in sydney no one really commutes on their bike there's there's i can probably think of five little stretches where you'll see bike commuters everywhere else no one really the only people you see riding are roadies going for road rides and delivery drivers and like a meth head who's lost their license. Those three is that's who ride bikes. There's not many just I'm going to the shop people, okay? So that's – if I ever feel elitist, it's commuting on my bike, rocking up to Bunnings Warehouse or Officeworks, just locking it up out the front and going straight in. It's it's amazing, and it's because I I I crashed on my Vespa scooter like four months ago, and now I've kind of got the I don't like it's mm. just ugh, it's got the I just put, yeah mm. not interested in running it, and it's actually I it, I realized it made me lazy because if I didn't drive, I was then taking the scooter, so you kind of beat the traffic, but then it's not really exercise, and now that I've not done that, now I've gone back to the bike. Because now I'm, I don't want to just sit in the car, sit in traffic. So now I'm back on the bike and it's awesome. Oh, you do like it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I rode here to rode here today. Been going again. Go to go to Bunnings to get something from the house. Ride office works to get postage bags. Ride. It's like it's it's forced me back into doing errands by bike. And not only is it just free exercise, it is the most feeling of elitism I've had in a long time. Well above. You know, rocking up to a crit thinking you're all that. Are we on the Seriously? TCR doing this? No. So no. I'm, I've got a flat bar commuter bike. Yeah. So, yeah, just on that. It's, it's really been awesome to actually get back into that because I have been a bit – you just get lazy with it. You just oh, I'll just take the scooter. I don't have to ride. Once you just – when you just do it, it's so good. It's such a bad city for, for commuting around. Just but putting all the infrastructure aside, like it's so hilly. That's the main problem. Yeah, like if you're going to ride to a mate, it's just like you turn up and you've just been doing intervals because you have. You're going up and down big hills. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's not perfect for it, but still, I mean, I'm fit. Like it, obviously if, uh, if I didn't train and didn't have much fitness, it would be a lot, <laughs> a lot harder. But, yeah, it's been really, really cool. Let's get him on a fixie. Go full, tight jeans, get in there. Um, all right, my, my set of random one is came home from – was the first Heffron a couple of weeks ago. Okay, first and race of the first season. First race of the season. And I actually I flicked across on the ride home and I was like, oh, shit, big numbers, Chris. Yes. Big numbers. Yep. And I was like, oh, fantastic. I can't wait to upload this. Look at the oh, normalised. Oh, this is going to be great. The, the Strava crowd are actually going to go, oh, he did more than 300 watts. It's amazing. Anyway, getting home. So I run the, the Garmin Varia as well. So I'm varied up and I've got my gum. So I'm coming in home. And what I tend to do is I tend to stop my ride about two or 300 metres before I get home 
Um, so then I'll hit save as I'm writing in Wi-Fi issues, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, hits hit stop and I don't hit save. I'm just sort of writing in, writing it in. And as I pull up on the bike, I turn off the, the Varia. And so anyone has Garmin Varia, it flashes up a little sort of, oh, your Garmin's been disconnected at the bottom. Now, stitch up is the, the touch screen of the Garmin is not, so the UI is not actually seeing the, the alert. It's still interacting with what's below, which is a save and a discard button. Oh, my God. Okay. So as the disconnect alerts come up, I've pressed to get rid of the alert, hit save. I've done a double press. So I've pressed it and I've pressed it again to because to, it didn't happen. There's a little bit of latency. So I've pressed it. And then on the second press, my finger is pressed where discard is. Oh, no. Now, there was a cry <laughs> heard across the inner west. I think I heard it in Waterloo, <laughs> carried across the city. Uh, a discard. It was. And so I've come in. I'm just. Elizabeth thought I've murdered. Like something terrible has occurred, which had happened. I was so Truly annoyed. Terrible. Like to the point. I was properly questioning why why did I even go? If it wasn't for the fact that Richard Shriver was there taking photos and I snuck into a couple of photos, there was no evidence of me attending that race. Why is there even a delete button? Yeah, Who goes for a three-hour ride and deletes it? That's a great point. Why does it exist? Mm. There should be no I, option I, for discard. I would be nervous Every at the end of every single ride, if I had a Garmin, because I would just be, please don't press. It. It's that's so weird. And there was no, are you sure option. Oh. So oh, it was just there discard. isn't because you've, it's gone straight away. Yeah, it's it's like because I would have normally expected the sort of, are you sure you need, you want to erase the memory? Maybe like a double prompt. Mm. Mm. Are you really sure? So particularly unhappy with that with that outcome. Um, unfortunately, and I—I I don't know. You I, they were good said numbers. To me, you did. You were said, "Oh, <sighs> who you reckon's roughly about my size? Maybe I can ask them for their file." <laughs> That's how sad you are, was, Chris. Edward, I thought Edward might give me his. I Edwin. was like, you know, he, what's he? Oh, he's—he's he's he's a good a bopper. Is he's he? a good twenty, thirty watt size. Yeah, Roll less turns anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, so there was there was that uh, unfortunate reality. Um, actually, I heard another one randomly. Uh, another umpa. One, and a guy was talking about his uh, Shimano group set, and he's like, his favourite feature of his Shimano Digi Two group set was the synchro shift. Now, remind was, me of synchro shift again. Synchro That's... shift is that thing where it automatically shifts between the big ring and the little ring. Oh, now, well, I, under I, no circumstances. I, I listened to a bit of Oompa in the headphones riding the bike. I legitimately almost crashed when I heard that. I don't think I've ever heard anyone, not alone, use it but suggest that it was in any way useful. But this guy was like, yeah, it's great. It just, my shifting's so smooth and I never have to think about it. <laughs> it's just like, okay. I mean, good if you're disabled and you don't have access to the front shifter. But the whole point of having the front derailleur shifter was he had some control over that. But anyway, there you go. There is someone out there. There is one. There is one oh, who loves it. Okay. Any other random ones for us? Bar tape. Mm. How often do you replace yours? So, okay, I have been recently running a bit of white bar tape. 
Okay. Pro option. But here's here's the thinking. Because before that, I just pretty much always run black. And honestly, I would have left the thing on for years. It was disgusting. But at least with white bar tape, you're almost forced to not only clean it, but replace it when it's probably reached a stage of disrepair. Like there were some bar tapes back in the day that have, they've, they've got variants of COVID on there that may never, ever get immunized against. Um, so the answer to your question is, is now I'm looking at sort of two months. Whoa. Two months? Yep. Whoa. Is that a lot or not much? That's very often. Yeah. It used to be almost two years. If yep. I'm lucky. Mm. <laughs> That's which is I'm trying to think of what are the what's the equivalent in life of bar tape that I would potentially be disgusted at if I thought about it. Like you're putting your hands yeah, and just, on this thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you might relieve yourself on a ride. Get back on, no issues. On my handlebars. No, but you'd go to the toilet on the side of the road potentially. I mean, you're not using baby wipes from my saddlebag after <laughs> it, I'd imagine. So, you know, okay. you've got that sort of yeah. circumstance happening. Yep. I don't know. I just just came to a bit of a realisation that, um, yeah. And the white helps because you kind of start looking down and go, that's brown now. You should do something about that, Chris. How often do you replace the pads in your helmet? I clean them. I take them off and put them in the washing machine. Oh wow! Yeah, okay, I got to lift. I'm disgusting. Yeah, you are disgusting. I'm s- really filthy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It helps being not in an apartment to do to do that because at least like you can then dry it out in the sun and like I often do that. I'll put this the helmet in the the sink and give it a detergent and then dry it out in the sun because I hate that smell. You put the helmet on and it's just like it smells like yeah. I've never cleaned the pads in my. HJC helmets. And you know how long we've had them for. What? It's got to be a year now. That's freaking. And that's skin. That's actually very disgusting because at least the handlebar tape, you're not actually wearing. You're kind mm. of resting on it and mm. it, you know, kind of gets inadvertently clean when you clean your bike if you're not scrubbing it. Yeah, those. Oh, oh. Yeah. All right. I'm going to go home and wash my helmet pads. Does it not stink though? But they come. No, no. Uh, maybe see. I'm maybe I'm just smelly because that's what I find. I just as soon as it gets to the point where I'm putting the helmet on, it smells like I've, like I'm in a rugby dressing room. I'm just like, no, <laughs> out, done, move Most on. Most helmets come with replacement set though. So you, mm. so what? You take them off and stick them in the yeah, just with your it, wash. Yeah, to put them in a little um, a uh, little wash bag that goes goes in the wash. All good, happy days. You, you don't even, do you t- clean your shoes much? Well, that's why I don't have white. I don't wear the white shoes that often. I have white shoes. I don't wear them that often. But again, it's another advantage. Clean my shoes. Actually clean them. No. The, the only time I really clean my shoes would be if I ride in the r- r- rain. When I get back, I'll just hose them mm. and then just put them in the sun. I don't clean my shoes, although I do clean my my actual shoes. I, I put them in, stick them in the washing machine. All right, Jesse, I reckon that's us done today. Do you have any uh, any shout-outs, any mentions, kit? Kid updates or anything you want to? No shout outs. Mention? No mentioned. Kids still in stock. Thank you so much for watching, guys. Make sure to subscribe and to, to like the video and do share it on with your mates. That really does help us out. All right, we will see you next week. Yep.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.